We were in that game yesterday. We had every chance to win. And unfortunately, we didn't do it. And I understand our fans' frustration. Hell, I hear it too. Okay, and I respect them. We're trying to play the best football we can and at the same time grow a football team. You know, we're not going to go around cutting a bunch of people, trading for a whole bunch of people, trying to hire a whole bunch of people. We're trying to develop a young football team to be a very good football team for the future. And that's what we're going to continue to work on. Ron Rivera sounds like a man a week away from giving us the next great coaching rants. Welcome to the D.C. Sports Huddle. I am Rob Woodfork, who wants winners. Well, you George come Wallace. to the right place then. Yeah, George Wallace, who plays to win the game. Always. And uh, Dave Preston, who may or may not have said the commanders couldn't do diddly-poo offensively in New York on Sunday. And uh, guys, I mean, what in the world? I'm, I can't even gin up outrage for this team. At this point, you can't. I can't. Well, because I mean, it's to be expected for on some level. You know, the Giants' bad team. You just lost to a bad team in the Bears two weeks prior, and you know, if you can, if you can't beat the teams that you're supposed to beat, you got Philadelphia coming up this week. I mean, what are we even doing a podcast on these guys for? Okay, that's fine. We can go. Yeah. yeah. Can we go? Yeah. Oh. What are we doing? Well, I, I, the thing is, I think if you look at the situation that the commanders are in, it's almost as though that Bears loss placed them on probation. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you know what? You're, you know, don't do anything more. We'll give you a reprieve. You beat the Falcons. Don't do Barely. anything really bad. And yeah. they did. And it's just, it's, it's one of those things that they, the, I'm sure they came out of this saying, oh, we've learned our lesson that we can't you know, do this or that or the other thing. They should have learned this lesson in the loss to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Losing the way they did to the Giants, it was, it, it was a bad loss by the organization, a bad loss by the team, a bad loss by all 53 players. The thing is, George, we asked the defense to step up, and they actually did. You go on the road, you hold a team to 14 points, you ought to win that game. Agreed. And it's like they just can't get, and we kind of we talked a lot about the sack problem last week. I mean, the Giants only had five sacks going into the game. They get six. They more than double it yeah. against your team. So it's like. Which, by the I, way, you call yeah. like we call you, you were reading off the stats right yeah. there about the, the game right. and the, sta- right. the sacks and teams that have had up that season have had a certain amount, but then they double it yeah. their season total against this team. Yeah. yeah. This week uh, on the Commander's Corner on WTOP.com, I did a deep dive into how many of the sacks against Washington represent the respective teams' totals. Percentage, and yeah. it's it, it's uh, this you past have it week. Down? Well, I've got it on my little phone here because okay. we're a little mo- are, are modern, Dave. Here, uh, <laughs> six of the eleven giant sacks this season—that's fifty-five percent. Fifty percent of Chicago's total, five of ten. Thirty-eight percent of Atl- of Atlanta's total, five of thirteen. 36% of Buffalo's total, 9 of 25. The total, they've allowed 40 sacks on the season. The teams that they've played, those seven teams, have made 114 sacks on the year. I think that comes to 37%. Now, given the ebbs and flows of a season, you'd figure, okay, in theory, you should have one-seventh of the total because you play seven games, that, yeah. one-seventh, so 15%. Commanders aren't that good, so you'd figure, okay, maybe it should be 25 to 30 percent but 30 37 percent over a third of every that's, team's yes. total this deep into the season comes against your offensive line and what i think is even more concerning the last three weeks five five and six sacks yeah. allowed they're not making adjustments it's getting worse over the course of the last three and weeks. this past week was not on Hal. he had no time yeah this past week a lot oh, of yeah. them have been on him but i'll, yes. I'll give him this past week there was it was just 
So you how know, do you fix it? Doors, the I, trade deadline is coming right. up. I don't. I don't do think. I don't it? think you can bring in a lineman at this point in time and oh, get him up to speed. It's interesting you say that. I have two options. For okay. You. Okay. okay. As we approach, it's almost the trade like deadline. you set this up. I did yes. set this up actually. But you didn't set it up with us. I, I'm, I'm it's doing okay. It now. Oh no no that you set up him bringing saying bring in a lineman. You say oh funny you mentioned no, that. No, we're just. We're just all on the same wavelength. Oh, that's it. That's yeah. how. That's why we're in the hub. Just like the offense. That's right. Yes. Um, there's two options <laughs> that I think Washington should consider. Okay. The Vikings, Ezra Cleveland. He's uh, He's got that position flex that Rivera likes. He can play guard. He can play tackle. He's 25 years old. He's a former second-round pick on an expiring deal. PFF grades him out well over the course of this season. Another option, a little less desirable, but Cody Whitehair. He's versatile. Um, he was recently benched in Chicago, of all places, uh, but he played for Commander's run game coordinator Juan Castillo mm-hmm. uh, with the Bears, so there's some familiarity, and if there's anything we know that Ron Rivera likes to do, it's to get recycling uh-huh. from previous stops. Can we so, just go into a time uh, – can we just uh, find the plutonium, get the DeLorean, go into the time <laughs> machine, go back to uh, April in the draft and take an offensive lineman instead of a defensive back in one of the first two rounds? A defensive back who can't see the field. Yeah. It would be yeah, one yeah. thing if they had a guy who was running back pick sixes every week and helping them win games, but there are two guys who their snap counts – you're burning spots on the roster. You're yes. burning the like, spots. He said two weeks ago. He said a couple weeks ago. Someone was asking him. We were there. He said about how the, why these guys aren't seeing the field. He goes, "Well, we're deep at that position. Well, why'd you draft them then?" Yeah. And this whole thing about this week about just developing a young quarterback and he's building the program. You're in year four, man. You can't. Like, and that's the thing he's saying. And I played one of his sound bites, not the one we let in with, but uh-huh. I played one of his sound bites on Monday, and that's the problem. I like the one like, we let in with. Well, that was a good one. Yeah, but there's four sound bites that I had to double check and see if I told you I, if yeah. I played them in 2021, right? Because or they it's the, the same, same thing. thing. Yeah. You're in year four. You can't say, "Oh, my quarterback's young." Stop putting a game on his shoulders. Then you're getting the kid killed. He's on pace to take 97 sacks this season. In the first half of the year? Yeah. 97 sacks. Yeah. The record is 76. I'm surprised he has been able to practice fully each and every week. I, I'm, not, I'm not surprised that he's able to start every week because guys, especially guys that young, they're able to recover. There is recovery and uh, medical facilities, they are able to do stuff. But I think... I'm surprised that he's been able that he's he's been a full show mm-hmm. every single week, especially going especially the Thursday game because that's yeah. I think yeah. the Thursday game is the one where Agreed. dudes are super banged up and it's yeah. tough to recover. Right. And even though you know it was what the Eagles game and I think what they only allowed five of five sacks only five that game yeah, yeah. well that was five of their only. twenty-four the lowest the, <laughs> the lowest, lowest percentage of the team's sacks. Uh, that's uh, of the season yeah. was five of their twenty-four for right. the Eagles. So that's because right. the Eagles are good. Yeah. Everybody else, well, yeah. not everybody else, but most of the other teams right. that they've played are not good at getting to the quarterback, except for when they play Washington. Correct. Yeah. Um, so should, in, on the other side of the ball, I mean, there's a you know we're coming up on the trade deadline. There's been some rumors uh, bandied about that Washington could deal one or both. Of those uh, young edge rushers, uh, Chase Young and Montez Sweat, uh, Diana Russini, we all know her from uh, The Athletic. Uh, Well, we don't know her from The Athletic, but she's currently at The Athletic. And uh, she's said that, you know, basically Washington is listening about 
taking. And they've been listening for Chase. They've there. been listening for Chase for a while since the draft. I know. I mean, I, that's that but was kind of out him? there. But would you move him if you're Washington? So here's the thing: you don't want him to walk at the end of the year without getting anything, right? Mm-hmm. Let's go this piece by piece. If Ron Rivera thinks his only way of keeping a job, or unless he just realizes he's not going to keep a job, mm-hmm. is to win, then you don't trade him. Because what are you going to get back for him that's going to help you this year? Right? Oh, you've already got enough guys who aren't helping you this year. So you may as well add to the folder there. I would there. like to see them. Oh, that would be a big thumb in the nose if he trades one of the pass rushers for another DB. Oh, yeah. God, no. <laughs> but I would like to pick, see. Not a for a pick. Not a guy who gets picks, yeah. but a pick. Yeah. I would like to see them. You know, But then again, you know, I, would say, I was going to say you'd like to see them keep at least one and sign one of them like you've done the last couple of years with Payne and Allen and Terry, your, your guys. But then again, this defense, with all these number one picks on this defense, they're still not doing anything for you. Mm-hmm. Not, I shouldn't say that. But they're not. You're still you're still giving up with, with the exception of this past week. You're giving up almost thirty points a game. They needed those guys to be dominant yeah. up front, and right. then I'm not going to say it doesn't matter what's on the back end, but it lessens. Sure. You know, not not having a couple linebackers, right. not having DBs that are covering everything like that is camouflage. Yeah. If you are dominant up front, Agreed. they're not dominant up front. I know. And so I will I think say Chase has played all right. Chase has Chase, played fine. Chase has played well. Yeah. But I mean, it's been shown over the course of the last couple of seasons that you can have a good defense without mm. him. He's Correct. not a game changer. And right. when you select a guy second overall, if you pay a guy big money, you want him to be a game changer. And he's not a game changer. And so at the same time, but you don't want to quit on him too early. He's entering his prime. He's only 24 years old. I mean, mm-hmm. we talk about him like he's, you know, going on 30. But he's only 24, so there's uh, ample opportunity for him to turn it around and be the player that you expect. And then there's the other aspect of it. He's a local kid, and right now you're trying to put butts in the seats. Mm -hmm. And if he ends up being an impact player and he's got the dreads hanging out the back of the helmet and he's strip-sacking people and all that, can't let that go when you're trying to extend a sellout streak. I don't think Harris will okay the trade for both. I think if somebody moves, I think it's sweat. I do too. Yeah. Because he's got more trade value. But then you have to sign. The two. Then you have to sign Chase. But the thing is, I don't think Chase is going to. You could franchise tag him. That's true. You can. So you have the franchise tag this year. Yeah. And you can. Um, I looked at the number today. I think it's a little over $21 million, 21.4. So wow. Yeah. To, for all to, that. For, for, for right. a franchise tag. Yeah. But, I mean, for an edge rusher, if that. he ends up being, if he, he has a fully healthy season where he's not working his way back from anything right. and comes in and, and changes the game, then you, you have an easy decision to make. And, I, but it, you can't pay all four of them. No, so no. I would try, if you can get, and this is a high-end compensation. If you have a contender who's desperate for an edge rusher and you can get a second-round pick for Montez Sweat, I think you go run sprint and giggling that you got oh, over on somebody. A number two? Heck yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> I, I think you have to move on from one of them, and I don't know it, what sort of mindset the current brain trust has, the guys in charge right now, if they're thinking about the be- what's best for this regime or for what's best for the future regime? Do they want to help stock the shelves for the team that uh, takes over next year of this franchise? Team meaning you know front office personnel, uh, GM, and uh, head coach. I think in a perfect world, they do right by 
next year's team and whoever comes in next year and move one of the guys, whether it's Sweat, whether it's Chase, and get a second or a third round pick. If you can do that, gosh, that's huge because you can get quality from quantity as long as you're not selecting multiple defensive backs that you don't play. <laughs> right. Yeah, so are there any other moves at the trade deadline? Does Curtis Samuel have value to a team that is shy a wide receiver or limited with that personnel group? Because even though he's a good player, he is he's the older of the three guys yeah. that we've got. You're not trading any other. And guys. No, and yeah, you're not. Yeah. No, you're not. You're not getting rid of uh, Terry McLaurin, and, and uh, Dotson is still on his rookie deal. So yeah. maybe you move Even Curtis Jeremy Samuel. Brown, yes. Yeah. And I'm sure people aren't knocking on the door Correct. for Jamie Brown. Yeah. But I think they would be for Curtis Samuel because he's yeah. a guy who can score in multiple ways for your team offensively. And, right, and that's the thing. He's kind of like a poor man's Debo Samuel. He's like the younger, less successful yeah. brother of Debo Samuel. So A contender know. that's having problems putting points on the board – Boom, they look at him as sort of an enzyme that can really get the offense going. And, look, and maybe Debo, they'll give a second or a third and or a Debo, fourth. And Depot's not healthy right no, now. Right so not. the 49ers, I mean, I, I was watching a show today that was talking about how the 49ers, I mean, their window for a Super Bowl is like yesterday. Yeah. So it's like they are they need to go all in on this year because their window might slam shut. We like, can do Kyle a solid, yes. can't we? I mean, <laughs> Anybody who, who didn't like him is Kurt, not, he's not here anymore. And yeah. Curtis what is in the last year of his deal. He yeah. was a three-year deal. Right. And that's the other thing is yeah. guys who were in the last year of their deal, right. it's probably not going to be a great return because it's a rental for all intents and purposes. Right. Um, do we even want to bother with a game prediction for the – Why not? We do one every week. I'll give you three. All right. <laughs> three? Oh, gosh. Uh, are we, I don't know. Are we going to do it? They're not going to win. Oh, before, right? But before we move they, on. They're not going to uh, win, right? They're not going to win? Are they? Because we don't think they're going to win, win, they're going to win. Yeah. So I'm actually taking the Commanders. Yeah. 21-17, I have Brian Robinson scoring multiple touchdowns. That's the other thing about Let's go back to this offense. They haven't exactly. had a 100-yard rusher. Because they don't run enough. With the ex- no. only reason they've gone over 100 is thanks to Sam's Howell's yardage. Yeah. Right. But Robinson, and he has not gone over 100 yards on the ground. They're basically not using Antonio Gibson. And those, so and you the, could you could have made the case at, at, over the last couple of years. Those are two dynamic players. Yeah, that you need yeah. to. I mean, I'm not saying that Brian Robinson needs to carry the ball 30 times a game, or right. you need to set up Antonio Gibson for 10 catches and 15 runs. But they need to be doing more within this offense than they're currently doing. And it takes the heat off the quarterback. Yeah. yeah. When you have a quarterback who's running for his life or getting hit a lot, then you need to offset that by at a minimum calling as many run plays as pass plays to let his body heal a little bit, man. Unless the to, run blocking is that bad. But you with need this to you, hey, and this is where Bianami look, I'm I'm not I love it how people are just ready to trash him after seven games. <laughs> I mean Scott Turner you gave you gave so many you didn't you didn't go after him this bad yeah. in three years. Um I wonder what the difference is. Right. But he's <laughs> he didn't have a good game last week calling the game. He did not. You have to get the ball in McLaurin's hands. I don't care how you do it. Bubble screen, reverse, whatever. You have to give him. You have to in the first half. Good things happen when Terry has the ball. Two, that you have to get a couple first downs on your opening drive. Like you can't. Like there's no. They get out there, and then even Terry said it to us a couple weeks ago. He says, and it kind of struck me like that sets the tone. He goes, that first drive, you don't get a first down. It's almost like you're already done. Yeah, you know. I think there's going to come a game 
where they do lean on the run. I don't know if it's going to be matchup-based. I don't know if it's just going to be because they just wake up and realize fundamental football. But I think there's going to come a game, and maybe it's this Philly game this week, where they run the ball consistently, they go right at it, they establish the run, and it sets up the play action. They go with the shorter, you know, the screens and the slants Mm -hmm. and all of that in the passing game. And they have an effective game, and then we're all going to sit here and be like, "Where the hell has that been right. all season?" Right. I think that game is coming. I don't know if it's against Philadelphia. It doesn't seem like a likely matchup, but I, I'm Who's still going to pick them because Patriots. it makes no England, it makes yeah. no sense. I think it's against the Giants the second time they play them. Actually, <laughs> I've got uh, Washington losing this week, nineteen ten. All right, so nineteen I just, to ten. I, I, I yeah. see a gritty game, and I see a, a late turnover. It just it uh, they. Throw a great effort against an Eagles team. This is the ultimate thermometer team that yeah. plays, with the exception of the Buffalo game. Yeah. They have played to the level of their opponent, whether they've been good or bad this season. See, and that's why it gives me – I mean, look what happened in Philly last week. I mean, two weeks – whatever, October 1st. Yeah. They didn't have a chance, but then they, you know, take them uh, to uh, overtime. So, yeah, I would like to think, and I keep doing this, saying that they're going to show up and they're going to compete. Mm-hmm. But this week, to your point, against a team that is – you know, should run all over them. They will. I agree with that. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't think they're going to win, but I would not be surprised if they do. I, I'm going to. They, they scored against Philly last time too. Yeah. Keep in mind. So let's go. Let's go thirty to twenty-seven, Philadelphia. They'll keep it close. I don't think they're going to win, but it wouldn't shock me if they, they do because of how they play against the Eagles. They but I got them Philly seven the last two weeks. Huh? <laughs> they haven't scored twenty-seven yeah. the last two weeks. Yeah, combined. but they're going to score twenty-seven this week. All Philly right. is also coming off of a night game and then going on the road. But it's oh. a short trip, uh. so that changes everything. Every Before we thing. move on, how about the uniforms that the Eagles wore Sunday night? Love them. And the yeah. uniforms that the Giants wore Sunday afternoon. Love them. Yeah. And then the maroon and black and white Awful. Uh. that the commanders are stuck with. Love, love, don't love. Gosh. That's what I would like to see them do, and I don't want to get too off topic, but even if they don't change the name, just change the uniforms you gotta back go- to the classic. You got to. Keep the helmet. Yeah. Keep yeah. the helmet. Do the double stripes down the middle of the yes. helmet, and then go back to the old uniforms because in some form or fashion. Now is not burgundy and gold. Correct. Red and white. Yeah. All right, we're going to pivot to the Washington Wizards, who open their season in Indiana. On uh, we're recording this on a Tuesday. They open the season in Indiana on a Wednesday night. Their home opener Saturday night against Memphis. Um, this feels like a bottom out year, Dave Preston. I think you're right. I think this is a year. This is. It, it it feels like the year that the commanders are kind of potentially going going through because the uh, new brain trust, new general manager, new president of basketball operations, even though you still have Wes Unsell Jr. as head coach, Bradley Beal's gone. I, I think you've got uh, a lot of uh, things they need to figure out. Yes, uh, Denny Avdia signed the uh, contract extension, but... Uh, it's the pool party with Jordan Poole in the house. <laughs> it, it, this this is going to be a year that, yeah, they might win. They, they could win anywhere from 20 to 30 games. They, I've, I have some friends who say, oh, man, they, they can win 35 to 40. I don't think I, – I think they need so many things to go right for them to get there. The NBA is a league where you can do that, though. But if they get to 35 wins, they'll be a paper tiger 35-win team that you're just like, I don't know how they won 35 and they they don't have the personnel and they're not going to be picking first or second and they should be. I think this is a team that, again, it, it's going to take a while for a new basketball culture to come in 
and it's not something you can reset in a day unless you have the best player on the planet, and they don't. No, they don't. And, and that, to your point, though, I mean, Jordan Poole is a nice complimentary piece. Yeah. Kyle Kuzma is a nice complimentary piece. Those are your big two right there. You don't even have a big three, uh, it, even if you ever did. I well, mean. as long as long as we don't have last year's big three. Right. They played together for 35 games and right. posted a 16-19 and 19 record. So it's, I'm, I'm glad that they've gotten out of that business at this point. All right. What, what do you think they do this year? I think they win 25 games, 25 and 57. And they have, they have some inspired play here and there. The, the NBA is such a night-to-night league with guys resting here and there. They have some nights where it's like, hey, they beat the Celtics or they beat the Heat or, oh, my goodness, they took LeBron to overtime and mm-hmm. half of his teammates didn't even make the flight, you know? But they, I, I think, by and large, over the course of the season, they, they have some tough nights. But I think the focus is they're building up again. And I think the fan base hopefully is going to buy into that. I talked to our old friend Dave Johnson, uh, one of the founding members of the DC Sports Huddle, yes. and um, I, he says that this is going to be a fun team to watch. He's seen them in practice. He's you know seen this team up close, and says this is going to be a fun team to watch. I don't disagree with that. I think Jordan Poole is going to average 28 points per game. He's going to be up near right. the league leaders. Uh, Kyle Kuzma has done some. Good stuff here with the Wizards. He's uh, certainly made a name for himself, making some clutch baskets uh, down the stretch. Uh, but I still think it adds up mm-hmm. to only 24 wins. So somehow you picked 25 wins and, and overrated them <laughs> <laughs> to me. Because wow. I, th- I think this is a 24-win team. They're going to be in the mix for the first pick in the draft. But that's what you want. That's what you need out yeah, of this season. And I think that. this new brain trust here, they're like, we're not going to just continue to put a – band-aid over a gunshot wound we need to blow this thing up we need to start it over and we need to get in position to get a difference making player so that we can truly reset this franchise and reset the culture what i also hope is that this team moving forward can make supplemental picks meaning yeah. Yes, everyone's like, oh, they need a top five pick or they need a top ten pick. You know, they need a top five pick or, or it's all a wash. Whereas other teams succeed. I'm not saying that they need to get a Giannis. They need to find a Giannis in the rough. But they need to get quality players from if they have a late first round pick, if they have a second round selection or multiple second round selections. They need to have guys who are difference makers, not what, Johnny Davis uh, from Wisconsin, <laughs> who, you know, he's a nice kid, but he wasn't, the, he wasn't the right fit last year for this team. And they needed a difference maker. Yeah, and true to Wizards luck, they only now choose this direction at a point where Victor Wembenyama is mm. not going to be available in next year's draft or the one after that. They, they Every time they've gotten the number one overall pick, it's been in a year where you uh, probably could have gotten somebody better. Uh, George Wallace, what do you think about the Wizards coming up this Whatever season? you guys said, I believe. <laughs> oh, beautiful. <laughs> so 24 and a half wins is your total. There is you that go. what you said? I said 25. He had 24. Oh, I'll go 24 and a half. I mean, it's oh, right around guy, there. Yeah. I mean, I don't think You're it's going to tie? I don't oh, think, man. Or a cancellation? I don't think, I don't think they're going to get 30. How about that? Yeah. yeah. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's very fair. I'll be. It'll be fun to watch Pool Jordan Pool though. I don't. I'll, I'll have fun watching. Gentlemen, before yeah. we go, I, I know that we're nearing the uh, end of the DC Sports Huddle, but another great episode. Before we yes. do so, yes, <laughs> fun episode. Uh, <laughs> Halloween weekend. Even though they celebrate it next Tuesday, this is the weekend that everybody goes out and dresses as 
uh, whatever favorite president or some people wear a red suit or whatever other shenanigans. It's a spooky weekend ahead for our local college football teams. I like this. As we have the ghosts of programs past, Virginia Tech used to own Thursday Night in Blacks. Remember how they used to enter Sandman and teams would come in and just melt? They have not won a Thursday night game at home since 2016. Really? They host Syracuse this Thursday. Orange have lost three straight by an average score of 37-8. Now they've played North Carolina, Florida State, and Clemson. But it's a big win for Virginia Tech because if they're able to win this game, they even up the record at 4-4, and and all of a sudden a bowl berth is a possibility for Brent Pry's team in his second season at the helm. Saturday at noon, Maryland takes on Northwestern, a team that they should beat on paper, but they should have beaten Illinois on paper a couple of weeks ago. Last year, they beat Northwestern to Mm -hmm. clinch a bull berth. They can do that again this year Mm -hmm. against the Wildcats. Virginia takes on Miami. We have to wonder, was last wins over North Carolina a mirage because they hadn't won an ACC game in 364 days, or was it a market correction? Three of their last four losses were one-score games. I think they come up short on in South Beach, but they provide a test for the Hurricanes. And then we got JMU ODU. The uh, they call it like the the royalty rumble, whatever, because the Dukes against the like, Monarchs. No, that doesn't it's seem like royalty. Like fetch, it's going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, is is is, Sir, is Virginia Tech going to beat Syracuse? I you know I've got the Orange winning 31-28. That's a preview of Presto's picks, which won't drop until Thursday. Oh, yeah. there you go. I like Man. it when he teases it. Unless, unless, of course, you're listening to this on a Thursday, in which case. Or a Friday. Or you're like, oh, yeah. gosh. <laughs> I could have been ahead of it. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. Thank you for tuning in to another, another great summer. edition of the DC Sports <laughs> Huddle. I am Rob Woodfork signing off for the giggling George Wallace. Dave Preston, very stoic and with a tie on. He's always overdressed for the occasion. Breaking the huddle until next time.